Aperte isto um hoop. Ha, 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 ha. 
بود این یه شوانترت گستلم Проведе од кастигација се вера сите бранадер. Седнали синере еус еон учители. see a man or do you see a king when those eyes gaze into your heart into your soul what do you see is he just a man to you is he just someone that came in this earth he's just a wise teacher or is he the king of kings lord of lords Pilate asked what is truth but truth was staring at him in the face is truth staring at you in the face this morning the eyes of love broken bruised looking at you but Pilate what is truth I'm my own truth and that's how many of us live you see Jesus didn't come just to give answers to life he came to be the answer he is the truth Jesus is the truth, and he shows us the truth of our condition. He's staring at you and me, asking, all you see is a man, or do you see a king? 
who would lay down his life to have you. You see, when we behold the man, we are confronted with the truth that he's more than a man. He's God in the flesh. And when we look into his eyes, we are confronted with the truth about ourselves. And here is the truth. I abandoned him. I spat in his face. I whipped his back. I twisted the crowns and the thorns. I placed it on his head. I let the blood run down. It was me. It was the depth of my sin. Chief of sinners, the darkness of my heart. Put him in the cross. I'm guilty. I did this him. Yet, he did that for me. He did that for you. Every time he was cursed, every time the spit was going down his face, he thought of you. From Gethsemane to Gabbatha. Gabbatha is Aramaic. It literally means the stone pavement of judgment. It's Pilate's legal court. It's the dark courtroom in which the light of the world steps in. Can you imagine? See, this world is sick. It's diseased. It's hurting. But we're so used to this world, we don't see that. Think of to be like Jesus, perfect, holy, pure, stepping into this world that we think is normal. But he knows better. And he steps in to the dark courtroom, Pilate's legal court, Gabbatha. It's the place where you must decide, is he just a king? Is he just a man? Or is he the truth staring at you in the face with eyes of love? Each of the cast of characters could be any one of us, right? Pilate, what is truth? I'm my own truth. The religious leaders, they want to be their own kings. They love the praise of people. They love money. Barabbas, murderer, but he goes free. The Roman soldiers who spat and mocked and whipped his back. The angry mob, crucify him. But the truth is, we were every one of them. We cried out, crucify him. We want our own truth, not his truth. That's us. We put the king on Gabbatha. And the judgment we deserved, he got. He was declared guilty so I could be declared not guilty. It's amazing love. How can it be? But this is what you need to understand. This is what you need to hear this morning. It should have been you on the stone pavement. It should have been you before Pilate. It's you that should have been there. So what do we do with Jesus? Is he just a king? A man? How must we respond? Each one of us must decide, what do we do with Jesus? Is he a liar, a lunatic, or is he Lord? See, it's impossible to have met the real Jesus and be indifferent. Then why are so many Christians indifferent? Have you met the real Jesus? Has he looked you in the eyes? You either bow down in wonder, or you go away offended. What about you? Most people like Pilate walk away. But he's the king of love. See, God is all about the simplicity of love. God is love. Listen to this, John three sixteen to 21. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Jesus. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because of he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son, Jesus. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. You've been awakened up. Church, believers, born-again Christians in this place, you were woken up. You've stepped into the kingdom of light. Why are you walking in darkness? But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. You see, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to pay the price to bring back God's original design and purpose to the world, to you and to me. He's a king representing a kingdom come to reclaim what was lost. And you're what was lost. Why the legal court though? Why Gabbatha? To answer this, we need to go back to the Garden of Eden. You see, God gave Adam and Eve dominion. The word dominion or kingdom is to rule over, to be lord over, to dominate, to reign, to have a legal right as royalty over the earth. That was what Adam and Eve had. In fact, dominion implies a sword. It's sort of like God said, Adam and Eve, I'm giving you kingdom. I'm giving you dominion. But get your sword ready because there's a snake. There's a serpent and he's coming. He's my enemy and he's coming after you. Get ready. And what did Adam do? Eve's over there being tempted and we know Adam was right by this, watching this all happen. I wonder if he had a physical sword. Because he didn't even stop it. He was passive. He didn't stand up for truth. He didn't walk in the light. But the second Adam, Jesus Christ, took the sword of the cross and slayed the dragon's head. They had a legal right. Their dominion not only signified their authority to rule over their subjects, but over all the territory within their kingdom. But Satan comes. He deceives them in the garden. He promised them if they ate of the fruit, their eyes would be opened. And that means to be enlightened. He said, hey, you won't be walking in darkness anymore if you listen to me. You'll have light. You'll see as God sees. You'll be enlightened. He promised if they ate, their eyes would be opened. They'd be like God, knowing good and evil. He promised enlightenment. Remember, Jesus is the true light. But what happened? When they ate the fruit, darkness descended. Instead of their eyes being opened, their eyes were closed to God. Their eyes were closed to each other and to themselves. Sin entered and guilt and shame set in as they hid from God. Let me say that again. Sin entered in and guilt and shame set in as they hid from God. They realized they were naked. They had shame. In that moment, they gave the legal deed of dominion to the devil. Listen to some of the titles of the evil one. Jesus referred to him as the ruler of this world in John 12. Paul called him the prince of power of air in Ephesians. And in 2 Corinthians, he calls him the god of this world. John, in the book of 1 John says this to believers, people who have believed in Jesus and are born again. He says, we know that we are of God and the whole world is in the power of the evil one. 
We gave up the right to dominion. Legally, we gave it over to the devil and we became slaves to Satan's dominion. In Luke 4, 6, listen to what Satan says to Jesus. Luke 4, 6, when Jesus was being tempted by the devil, the devil said to Jesus, all this authority, authority I give you and their glory. Whose glory was he talking about? Ours, Adam and Eve's, what they lost. For this has been delivered to me and I give it to whoever I wish. But what did Jesus do? It is written. I only live off the words of my father. My father has this. I don't need to bow down to you. Jesus didn't question the legitimacy of his claim though. The Bible frequently uses the world or this world to refer to the present evil system of opposition to God. So while all things are God's, let me say it again, while all things are God's, Satan has dominion and rules over the entire world. In other words, he's leading the rebellion against God and has a legal right to do so unless a redeemer comes and does something legally. God spoke of that redeemer in Genesis. Remember what he said? Eve, don't worry. Because there's going to be one coming. Oh, and snake, Satan, come here. He's going to crush your head. But Satan, you're going to wound his heel. You see, the plan was already in place to do two things. To regain full control and dominion of the earth. One day we will see that fully. When Satan is wrapped in those chains and thrown into the lake of fire. Amen. And to reconcile mankind back to God from slavery and guilt. Something legally had to be done. A legal transaction that satisfies the heavenly courts must be made to win us back from slavery and darkness. A representative must come. The king must come, the light of the world. First John says Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil. If he had bowed down to the devil and never gone to the cross and accomplished his goal by bowing down to the devil, we'd still be in slavery. But he comes. Because he's here to break the heavy chains of Satan's system. The heavy chains of sin in our lives. The guilt and the shame. See, if you could look at some believers, if the spiritual realm, if you could see them, you know, in the physical realm, they're like, hey, what's up? Everything's great. Life is amazing. Oh, man, I'm overcoming, man. It's cool. But if you saw them in the spiritual realm, they would have heavy chains, burdens on their back. They'd be walking around with shame and guilt. That'd be it. And they're walking around this way. But Jesus came to break those chains. He came for relationship. That's God's heart. It's always love. God is love. We have a God who doesn't want to be listened to as a boss or a leader. He is those things. He wants to be known by his heart, his personality, his spirit. He created mankind for companionship. Satan enslaves. But God didn't create slaves or clones. He wants partners who are free. God is far more interested in us doing things with Him than for Him. He wants you. His desire is you. Not the person next to you because you're like, well, that, they like Him, not me. Yeah, He does love them, but He loves you. But the devil has shame and guilt around your neck that keeps you from seeing that. 1 John 4.10 says, This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice 
for our sins. He stood at Gabbatha because he loves you. You were made for a relationship with the king. Every time the whip came down, it was for you. It was to have you. Jesus not only saves us from Satan's slavery, but from our guilt and shame. You see, guilt is a legal term. It's a legal term. It's not just a feeling. It's the Hebrew noun, a psalm. The difference between guilt and sin is important, whereas the words for sin in Hebrew focus on quality as an act of, or a personal failure. A psalm points to the breach in a legal covenant relationship that sin causes, and in particular to the indebtedness that results. It's a legal term. Guilt. It's around your neck. If you don't know Christ, you're guilty. It's a feeling, but guilt is also a legal term. Indebtedness, the debt that you carry because of your sin, the weight of your sin upon your shoulders that can be lifted today. Indebtedness to sin and to Satan's world system. Jesus took the guilty verdict. He saves us from guilt and shame to walk in freedom. Some of you are carrying huge burdens on your back. But the word says to cast all your cares upon the Lord. What that means is to roll it off your back onto the Lord. That's literally what it means. Roll the burdens of slavery upon Jesus because he took it at Gabbatha. He took it on the cross. That's what he did for you. Roll your sin and shame upon him. He takes the guilt. I go free. We are all Barabbas. But he took your place. He saves us from a guilty conscience. No condemnation. There's a good kind of guilt. Think about it, right? Thank goodness that we have some guilt, right? Listen to what 2 Corinthians says. The Bible describes guilt in the New Testament as godly sorrow. But listen to the two different kinds. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. That's good. Not to be regretted. Still good. Here's the bad part. But the sorrow or the guilt of the world produces death. Which one do you think Satan wants Christians locked into? He wants you locked into that godly, ungodly sorrow, the guilt and the shame. He wants you burdened down even though you've legally been declared free. See, the enemy of our souls might try to make us feel guilty after we've already been forgiven. That is his trick and we don't have to believe it. He keeps us stuck in confessing our sins over and over and over again. Well, you'll just never get it, right? The blood of Jesus must have not been good enough for you. Or he gets us to not confess because of fear of rejection. But we have the throne of grace. We have his glad welcome any time. See, the blood of Jesus in the Old Testament, the blood of lambs was a filter so that God couldn't see you. But in the New Testament, this is awesome. It's not a filter. It's so I can be, have access. It makes you white as snow. It cleanses you. God can see you now because of the blood of Jesus. It's totally different. And it's awesome. God loves you. Often we confess it, but we pick it back up, right? And that sorrow from the world produces death in us. And if you're a believer for a long time, you learn how to deal with that. You come to church, oh, it's all good, yeah, it's all right. I'm not carrying any burdens. Why would I share my burdens with anybody? Oh, I'm in the light as he is in the light. 
but you're walking in darkness. You're in darkness. And see, when you keep things in the darkness, when you keep guilt and shame in the darkness, that's the devil's playhouse. He wants you to do that. But when you bring it to the light, the hands of the great physician can reach in and heal you. It doesn't seem safe, but it's the safest place. Once we confess it, leave it. Move on. If God has forgotten it, why do you keep bringing it back up? Once we are forgiven by God, we have to let it go. Guilt and shame are powerful tools of Satan. Let me say that again. Guilt and shame are powerful tools of Satan. Joyce Meyer says this, God wants to give us grace, but Satan wants to give us disgrace, which is another word for reproach or guilt and shame. You have an accuser who wants to keep you in lock, in guilt and shame and reproach. See, guilt is often tied to an event in our past, a sin or something that happened to us by another person, or maybe we did to somebody. It could be small, it could be big. Abortion, sexual sin, maybe a lie, abuse. Sometimes a word that was spoken over you, or maybe something sinful you did to somebody else. That's guilt. Shame is a little bit different. It's connected. But shame is different from guilt in that it's not always tied to one specific thing. Sometimes it is, like Adam and Eve. They sinned. They had guilt. What did they do? They they hid in shame because they were naked. Shame is the nagging sense that something is wrong with me. I feel unaccepted, defective, worthless, incapable. I'm lacking or missing something. You see, at first you're like, well, Brian, that's like psychobabble, man. But here's the truth. You ever think biblically or you think like the world? Do you think as Jesus sees you? See, shame is the feeling that I'm always wrong and bad, and you fill in the blank, because many of you can fill in the blank very quickly. Shame is the cloud that follows us and hangs over us, something we feel like we can't shake. But shame is from the enemy. It isn't truth. It's important to understand the distinction between guilt and shame. Guilt is, I did a bad thing or a bad thing happened to me. Shame is, I'm a bad person. But Jesus says, you're a new person. You pass from death to life. If you know Jesus, you pass from death to life the moment you believed Some of you need to accept him this morning. When you do that, you have the power to rule and reign again because the kingdom of God is within you. What does it say in Romans? That the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but what? Peace, joy, and righteousness in who? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has hung a sign around your neck that says, not guilty. If you have guilt and shame, surrender it to him. Surrender it to him. He is able to free you. Stop walking in the darkness. Bring it into the light. He's able to free you. Jesus said, according to, unto your faith will it be unto you. According to your faith will it be unto you. Faith is, is the victory that overcomes. Have faith in the one who raises the dead. Come to Jesus. Look, it's not always a quick fix, but it's an everlasting fix. Some of you need to come into the light as he is in the light. Jesus wants to break chains now. Believe. The lie of Satan is to get you walking in darkness and indifference, and the church is in indifference. The American church is walking in indifference, and we need to wake up and get in the light, as he is in the light. He wants you to walk in guilt and shame, to never know the freedom you already have. 
You are sons and daughters of the light. Now walk as he is in the light. Listen to what 1 John says. This is the message we have heard from the beginning and proclaim to you. That God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out in the truth. But if we walk in the light, if we wake up as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, if we surrender our sin to him, then he will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. The advocate is a legal defender. See, it's all legal. The king now stands in your defense. He took your guilty verdict so that he could be your advocate. No matter how deep your past shames you, no matter how deep the sin goes, he absorbed your guilt. He absorbed your shame. He took it for you legally, and now you must surrender it to him so you can live free. For whom the sun sets free, you are free indeed. See, Isaiah prophesied about him many, many years ago, centuries. Isaiah says he was a man of sorrows. At Gabbatha, prophecy was fulfilled. Jesus bore our sorrows willingly and obediently. He didn't fight back. He couldn't fight back because then he wouldn't have you. But listen to what it says in Isaiah 56. I gave my back to the mockers, my back, and my beard to whom who would pull out. Jesus says, I gave my back before he ever came was prophesied that he would surrender his back, his legs, his body to be whipped over and over again and his beard pulled out for you. It says in Psalm 129, the plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. He's talking about the whip. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Before they have, he ever took a nail... He allowed his back to be ripped up for you. Jesus carried your guilt and shame. Stop carrying it. When we behold what our king has done for us, there's only one response. Surrender all to him. Bow down before him. We can kneel before this king because he gave all to us. We can make a public declaration that we belong to him because he made a public declaration. So much so he was spit on, beaten in front of everybody in Pilate's dark court. See, surrender is the place that you get God's best. In the Old Testament it says, on the mountain it shall be provided. 
when Isaac and Abraham surrendered, when Isaac surrendered himself, when Abraham was willing to surrender Isaac, it was a picture of Jesus and the Father surrendering Jesus. And it says, on the mount it shall be provided. On Calvary it was provided. Jesus is our best. He has been given to us. He is the best. And when we surrender, our mind says, no, I can't surrender. I can't give up stuff because if I do, I won't be happy. I can't surrender the guilt and shame. I've got to keep on carrying it. But that's not what the Bible says. Surrender is when you get Jesus' best. See, you're under someone's authority. Believers, this is for you. You're under someone's authority. The church is asleep. The church is walking in darkness, even though they belong to the kingdom of light. Is that you? You must choose a kingdom. You must choose who you belong to. Is it the devil or is it Satan? See, we think we're free, but the Bible says it's not. You're either in slavery to Satan or you're free in Christ. There's no in-between. There's no in-between. You can choose. You can choose to bow now, but no, one day every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, at Gabbatha, the stone pavement of judgment, where you must decide, do you want a king? Do you really want a king? Then why are you hiding in the dark? The king gave all to you. Some of you don't even know him today. And he wants that relationship with you. He loves you. Today is the day of salvation. Listen to this quote by Tim Keller. It says, people only get in the afterlife what they have most wanted, either to have Jesus as king, savior, and master, or to be their own kings, saviors, and masters. Heaven or hell, you choose. But he didn't create hell for people. He created it for fallen angels. But you must decide. Is he just a man? Or he's a king. We watch this video. Which prisoner do you want me to pardon? Barabbas or Jesus, the so-called Christ? What should I do with Jesus? What has he done wrong? They're crucifying him. Barabbas. They're crucifying the man that took your place. I don't mean your place. I'm not saying you should be crucified. cells are next to each other. The crowd is picking up. We need to go. There was a hole in the wall between the cells. I can pull a, a piece out and see him. I saw everything. Barabbas. The Romans may have let you go, but they aren't going to let you live. They beat him. They cursed him. They spit on him. He never said a thing. He... He never fought back. Once we get out of town and find someone to treat your wounds... Did you see what they did to him? 
back. That crown was thorns. At least it wasn't you. Why not? Why not me? I am. I don't know why not. But if we're going to leave, we need to leave now. Stop! Stop talking! Just... He took your place, and this changes everything. Today, some of you don't know him. It says if you call in the name of Jesus, you'll be saved. You just say, say, Jesus, save me. Come into my life right now where you're seated. Right now, he will come. You'll pass over from death to life. You'll be in the light as he is in the light. For some of you are believers, and you are asleep. How can you be asleep? He suffered so much to have you. How can we be asleep? He took your place. For some of you are carrying heavy, heavy burdens. And you need to roll them off onto Jesus. He already took them. They already belong to him. They're his. Guilt and shame. Sin. Maybe a current sin. Maybe something in the past. Something done to you. Maybe something you did to somebody else. It could be something small. Something that causes you shame. I don't know what it is for you. But you need to come up in a second. And what we're going to do is we have a post-it note in your bulletin and we have them up here. And we have a rock up here. It's a white rock. And in the legal system in that day, if the verdict was not guilty, they would give you a white rock. Some of you need to surrender the shame that you're carrying because he already carried it for you. You need to write down whatever it is, whatever sin, whatever guilt, whatever shame, whatever's holding you back, whatever seems to be just in the way grab one of these stones. Remember, not guilty. Not guilty. Because of his amazing love, I'm forgiven. He was condemned. I'm alive and well. His spirit is within me. He did that for you. And he loves you. As the band plays, Grab that post-it note. Before you even stand up, just say, Holy Spirit, speak to me right now. I'm not talking about a quick fix. I'm talking about an everlasting fix. I'm talking about bringing things that are in the dark into the light. We have to start doing this. We start to have faith that Jesus carried the guilt. And he wants to carry you. Each day he carries us in his arms, it says in the scriptures. We don't feel it, but it's true. Now have faith there's no condemnation for you and come when you're ready take some time before you stand up and worship if you're ready you can stand that's cool and then come up here when you're ready
Spend some time over here. Some of you need to go over to the next steps. Talk to Tim and Joni. Talk to Jen. Talk to me. Some of you need to give your life to Jesus today. You need to go right over there. You need to declare Jesus as Lord today. But some of you need to surrender to him. God will give you his best if you surrender to him. Let me pray. Lord God, in this place, Holy Spirit, just begin to break the chains, God. Begin to show people how burdened they are, how they're hiding things in the dark, God. How they're walking in shame, Lord, and how you love them so much and want to free them. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd blow through this place. And God, deliver us, Lord. We need a redeemer. We still need a redeemer. We need a deliverer, and we still need a deliverer. And we praise you, our advocate. We praise you, Jesus, that your name is above all names. In Jesus' name, amen. Come when you're ready.